This is Kamal Cord, and you're listening to Austin, Felix, and Matt on the W Debate. Welcome to the W Debate. All right, boys, are we ready to debate? Austin, you tweeted something, girl. You tweeted your running back tonight. Explain yourself. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. You jumped up and... That's Austin Mace. Who is going to be that guy? And for me, Bijan Robinson is still going to be that guy. Back to the ground with Robinson, who spins and then tries to bounce it. A stiff arm, another one as he rides it, keeps his balance. They're going to say he stepped out, but I'm... I'm Felix Sharp. I know you didn't think that we would get through this episode without mentioning the name one Zach F. Wilson. Screen or draw? Oh, Wilson is going to uncork for the end zone. And he drops it in beautifully. And it is his roommate, Dax Milne, on the touchdown. That's Matt Brody. G. Scott Jr. Obviously, I whacked poetic about him on the last episode, so I won't do that again here. And this time it's Fields on the carry. Watch out! Justin Fields! Hello, Columbus! 51 yards! Bruno, are you ready to go head-to-head with me? I am. Gotta get my popcorn out here. Hold on. Gotta continue. I got Kyle McCord is going to end up winning the job. He's going to be rated higher. Um, well, I'm not nearly as passionate about what I'm about to talk about. <laughs> Our apologies to Kirk Street. We ran out of time. We'll get him rescheduled soon. And for Matt Bruning and Austin A's, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. It's 9.30 Eastern time, the time zone that does not need a resolution. That means it's time for the debate debate. Brought to you by CampusCan.com. That's Matt Bruning. That's Austin Nason, Chris Moxley, and I'm Felix Sharp. On a totally 100% sober version of tonight's show, is Bryce Young a better prospect than, than Trevor Lawrence? Is Bo Nix good for Ty Thompson? And will Jim Harbaugh give Georgia its second straight loss? But we start with the Clemson Tigers in the Cheez-It Bowl. Tearing up the scoreboard. Matt Bruning, is there a blue blood slash press prestigious program that's worse for C2C uh, or Debbie development right now than the Clemson Tigers? Um, so for Debbie, I would say yes. There's probably at least two that come to the top of my mind. I mean, Clemson did technically put Trevor Lawrence into college last year. I mean, into college. He was in college already into the NFL first round last year. Right. So, I mean, they developed him, uh, Texas A&M. I mean, Kellen Mond last year was in the third Christian Kirk in the second. What was that? Three years ago. Now outside of them, the only other two first rounders on like the recent run here would be Johnny Manziel and Mike Evans back in 2014. Only one of those has been really good. And that's Mike Evans. Uh, and then obviously, that team up north. I mean, you got to go all the way back to 2008 to get Chad Henney out of the second round. So, I mean, there are worse teams at developing uh, talents. Uh, so, I wouldn't say it's all on all on Clemson. Maybe, maybe D- if this is a DJ centric question, maybe we all just as a collective mind missed on DJ because Will Shipley has looked damn good tonight. 
Uh, and I mean, Justin Ross before the injury was a really good player as well. and looked like he was developing. So I, I don't know that Clemson's bad at developing players. It, it may just be we, we, we missed on DJ more than, than Clemson failed to uh, develop him. I actually don't disagree with you about um, Michigan being bad. That was actually one of the ones that I'm thinking of. But Austin, if you had to choose, and first of all, Texas A&M is not a blue blood program. Thank you. But if you had to choose between, if you had to choose between Clemson and Michigan for your prized recruit to go to that you you know really want to do well, I think you're choosing Michigan over Clemson right now. I mean. For, looking forward projecting for the next three years aren't you the guy that famously said always talks about how Furman has more guys in the nfl recently than michigan no no i i would still feel way better about clemson i i think they've just done a poor job of talent evaluation over the past few years i don't know that they've done a bad job of development i mean i think texas overall has been worse outside of Bijan. they really haven't produced anybody in a while um florida, florida. honestly florida. hasn't it's really not- produced I know Florida, some people Florida. can still still consider Nebraska blue blood, and they haven't produced shit in like twenty years. Um, so no, no, I would still rather them go to Clemson than than Michigan. Donovan Edwards is like he's still the only guy there that I like at all for the NFL. Uh, Chris Moxley, would you rather have your prized wide receiver cr- recruit go to uh, Clemson or Oregon? Have we? Who's the offensive coordinator? Oregon? Have we? Have we nailed that one down yet? Yeah, yeah we do, the dude from it's, Auburn. Uh, oh, yeah, it's, it's Bo Nix's old offensive offense. Yeah. Oh yeah, it, yeah, Dill- yeah, Dillingham, right? Dillingham. Yeah, I have it on the um, show sheet. Dilling- Kenny Dillingham. Dillingham. Yes, yeah. Kenny Dillingham. I don't know. I I guess I guess Clemson because I've actually seen them put a wide receiver in the NFL recently in T Higgins, so. I, like, I don't really trust Oregon to develop anybody until I actually see it happen. This is a new coaching staff, and Cristobal wasn't there very long. So, like, I have no, I have no idea if if Oregon can develop. But I've actually seen Clemson do it once with a really good wide receiver in T. Higgins. So, I'm gonna def- I'm gonna default to them just because it's like one versus zero. You see, you see how much confidence everyone has in like in saying Clemson <laughs> is. I mean, it's 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 to. It's terrible. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I the, the question is out there. Is DJ Uyunglele going to develop? Is he going to, um, uh, you know, bounce back in his junior season? We have no evidence of that. Ha- like, like, there's no evidence of that happening. I mean, he, he doesn't look he doesn't look great tonight. Um, there they. Clemson is one of those schools that they like to promote from within. Uh, Dabo is loyal to a fault. There's nothing changing about this Clemson program. So for those of you thinking that, you know, Will Shipley is going to do something, he he may. He may, but I'm not banking on the wide receivers or tight ends or, quite frankly, the quarterbacks for this Clemson program. It's going to be a long time in startup drafts before I take DJ Uyunglele. So, all right. Um, we should talk about bowls. Should we talk about bowls? Should we talk about bowls or are we already into? Listen, That's why I always 100%. get the Chipotle. I always get the burrito bowl. It's good. That's not what you it were talking good. about. Okay, my bad. Same. What I do mean, you, you're the one who are you runs a, the show. Like, isn't that kind of your decision, what we talk about? <laughs> Listen, I ask for input from you guys all the time, and there's just nothing. 
There's and we crickets. didn't put anything on there. So we just we trust you implicably. Yeah, just just make yeah. the show. Um all right. Let's uh let's move on here to we're gonna skip pa- past right over uh housekeeping and let's go to we're gonna talk about some of the bowls that are gonna be played later this week. But uh, overall, um and Chris Moxley, let's start with you because I know that you're always prepared. What player has the most to gain from showing out this bowl season, the remainder of the bowl season? Um, a lot of people listen to this tomorrow. So I'm, I, I want to say Caleb Williams because I think that there's a lot of questions around like what, what the offense is going to look like. I, re- I really like the direction they're heading. I think that um, new offense coordinator from Ole Miss is a good fit. For, for him, but I he did end the year struggling. Like he he wasn't great. He was good, um, not great, and, and so I think he has a lot to prove. But that game's later tonight, so I I will not um I'll, I'll not pick that one. I will pick um probably Sam Howell versus South Carolina tomorrow, and I think Howell's basically mine. like his resume always. Mine. Is almost always complete, right? Like, I think there's a lot there, but I'd really like to see him end his career with a statement win the same way we saw Malik Willis do it. Like, I, I think it'd be really, really valuable for him to come out and put up like 300 yards, three touchdowns, 50 rushing yards, maybe a touchdown on the ground. And I like, I think South Carolina's defense can allow him to do that. But I I do think it's important for him to end the season on a high note. I think that'd be really important for, for him and just – talent evaluation in general. It, it just looks good, even if it doesn't really matter. Well, well, not only for him, you know, in his career there at UNC, but I still think that Sam Howell could be the number one quarterback taken in this draft. Look, we've mm-hmm. seen him fall to the second round in these mock drafts. I don't, I would love for that to happen because there's a, a chance for him to go to the Lions, but I don't, I don't, I don't see Sam Howell falling out of the first round. I don't see him falling out of the top 15 picks or coaches picks or so because i'm sorry kenny pickett you just got here sam howell has been like that dude since his freshman year since he was playing against journey brown and that penn state team in that cotton bowl his freshman season so i still think sam howell could potentially be the first quarterback taken and that's why he was my answer is because he could potentially elevate himself to you know kind of regain that status to be the number one quarterback in this class yeah i mean i the, the problem for him is going to be that South Carolina isn't the kind of team that anybody's going to care about a decent performance out of him from, I don't think. You know, like I think he's just kind of like settled in unless he just goes out and either gets a catastrophic injury, not, knock on wood, that does not happen, or, um, you know, he just – it looks like awful, which I don't anticipate. I, I don't I don't know that he can, you know, boost it anymore. If he was playing a better team, no offense, Chris, I, I could see, you know, that just being a, like – that one final, uh, you know, straw there uh, in, on his behalf. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. I, I hope he does fall to the second round. Austin, who do you got who could, uh, I, you know, I make think the most some, out of this bowl season? I think it's some of these guys that are going to step into open jobs, I think, are the ones that, like, are really going to kind of boost their value the most. That means potentially uh, Ja'Cory Brooks or somebody playing wide receiver at Alabama. Can somebody step up there and do something? Because um, I'm just really doubtful it's going to be, you know, Javon Baker and some of those guys that came in prior to this year. I think it has to be one of the the freshmen that's really going to make an impact there. So there, and then the the backup wide receivers 
quote unquote backup wide receivers at Ohio State, I think is another one where those guys can kind of start to solidify that job. Sorry, Matt, if I took your answer. Um, I was on, I've been thinking about this a lot lately, actually. I was on uh, a show yesterday, uh, Dynasty Kings, uh, with one of the guys at the website, uh, Mike, uh, Valerie, Valerie, I think it's Valerie. Um, and I, like, I'm starting to come around on Julian Fleming, like, could potentially be a thing next year. Was that also what you were going to say, Matt? <laughs> I'm done for the tonight. tonight. But yeah, I've got the Ohio State shirt out. I was ready to go all in on Julian Fleming. And yeah, it's all right. Nice like, I don't know, everybody. unless he unless he just has an year. amazing year, I don't think he can rebound, like, his stock anywhere close to what it once was. But I, like, I, I'm not, I don't think he's dead uh, there. Like, I, and I think he's going to get chan- every opportunity to take that job. The freshmen they bring in this year are okay, but I don't, I wouldn't feel good about any of them really playing much as freshmen. Um, you know, the, the, the Caleb Burton's and the uh, Kion Gray's and some of those guys. So I think it's going to be like, just there's four guys there. Really? He's one of them. I just think by default, he's going to get all these chances. We'll see if he can do anything to kind of start that thing off on the right foot. This, this bowl season. I mean, Matthew, I like yeah. that call. I mean, you've got that both was my Chris call. Alave and you put it on the sheet. And yeah, yeah I mean, I, <laughs> well, Julian Fleming. Who else look, is going to be starting? This let game? Let's be honest here. The only person I thought might steal that would have been Julian Fleming's hype man, Felix Sharp, up there in the corner. And I was like, you know what? He's not going to do it. I was not expecting you to to do it. But yeah, he he was going to be my one because uh, we we were having a conversation. Um, I'm sure none of you saw this thread because you guys actively avoid Ohio State as at all chances on Twitter. Uh, but I was talking with, I believe it was Jeff Bell, Matt Wispay, and some other Buckeye fans. We were kind of talking about a lot of people getting upset with Wilson and Olave and them opting out, right? They opted out of the bowl game, and a lot of entitled Ohio State fans got upset about it. So we were kind of like going against them and talking about that. And and my whole thing with, with Julian Fleming I know, Austin, you you posted your thread earlier this year about like wide receivers who haven't really done much and, and how they typically don't end up ever getting into like the NFL. And that after they don't do anything that freshman season, don't ever really make it into the NFL and produce. And I almost wonder if we should consider this his freshman season. He only got to play. They only played six games last year at Ohio State. What are you throwing your hands up for, Moxley? I don't I don't understand. That that's the stupidest shit I've ever heard. How can we consider a guy who's well, in his third well, year? And third year, he's in his second year. Third year, what are you talking about? Going into his third year as a, I I don't want to hear this. I'm this, not saying okay okay. Anyway, so let me talk. Well, mom, you can come interrupt in a minute. So uh, his freshman season, they played in six games where not even JSN, who we all hyped up to be this is all world talent, this amazing wide receiver, the next best thing at Ohio State, made one play. He he made one play that season. He did not do much on the field. But then we all we just gave him a pass on not doing anything his freshman season because he made one play. Julian Fleming was hurt, and he sat behind Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, and Jameson Williams who we're now seeing is completely balling out at Alabama. But no, yeah, you're right. Let's just count that, Moxley. That, that's all that matters because he had to sit behind three all-world talents. Well, I, shouldn't, I won't go that far. Sorry. That's my Buckeye bias coming out of me. But three really great players. Then this year, he comes into the year, hurts his shoulder in the spring, and then messes up his hamstring and is not played at all this season. And I understand for you analytics and numbers people that that matters, whatever. I, I don't really care about the numbers side of things, so that's probably why we will disagree on that side of things. But there were even some analytics people, including Matt Wispay, who said that he's starting to try and factor that stuff into his analytics. 
because of that, and when these guys go to crowded rooms, I do think that if Fleming can go out there, it, the chances of it happening are probably slim. But if he's able to go out there, I think they play Friday afternoon, if I'm remembering correctly. If he goes out You're there the and puts, you tell us. I don't I don't really know. I've not paid that close attention. I'm pretty sure they play Friday afternoon. But if they if he's able to go out there and put up a hundred plus a touchdown, two touchdowns on a very good Utah team, and then go into next year, and you just said it, Austin, he's gonna get all the run. He's the only guy in that room that brings that kind of speed to that wide receiver core. Mecca doesn't have that speed. Ballard doesn't have that speed, who I do think will get some run as well, and neither does Marvin Harrison. And neither does JSN, and JSN is likely going to stay in the slot. So Fleming's going to be that guy on the outside, and as much crap as I like to give C.J. Stroud, he has one of the biggest what a, um, dots of quarterbacks in college football. They like to throw the ball deep, so Fleming's going to be that guy. If he ends up producing and putting up monster numbers this year, I don't understand why he can't be the next Jamison Williams without actually having to transfer out of that room because I do think Ohio State's going to have a very potent offense. So I do think that he has a realistic shot of, of being a guy, if he goes out and has a massive game Friday, could really kind of boost his his stock up. I'm going to sc- skip over the fact that Matt is uh, much nicer than Matt Fox and Dennis on the fantasy roundtable. Um, Chris Moxley, w- do you believe in Julian Fleming potentially having a good game Friday or whenever in Ohio State plays and in 2022? And let me just illustrate for the offense that you look stressed. You're resting your hand on your cheek in answering this question. <laughs> I just, I, I, I almost don't even want to acknowledge how ridiculous the idea that Julian Fleming is going to become a legitimate NFL prospect is. Like, okay, you keep saying he's injured. Okay, well, maybe he's injury prone. Like, I, you could say all you want about, like, not getting the opportunity, but he's been jumped, it, or allegedly, according to practice reports, by, like, freshman wide receivers, too. So, like, it's not like he couldn't get the opportunity. Like, Marvin Harrison was allegedly running ahead of him. I guess part of that is injury. I don't know how much of it is injury. There, There's just stuff there that I, I kind of worry about with, with him more than I would maybe another player in that position. Like I can excuse it if it's like a guy who's getting on the field, like he's, he's, he's not. And like, he's never healthy. It's like, maybe he has a good game because he's the only option with JSN like this, this week, but I don't know. I don't love I just it. I want to be on record. I just want to be on record that I called uh, Julian Fleming a rich man's DJ Moore. If he does, in fact, break out, I want to be able to record that and then say that I said that because I have I have said that before. Um, all right. Let's move here to Chris. Let's go back to you. Players who could potentially lay an egg um, and, and hurt their stru- their draft stock or their Debbie stock uh, this weekend with a poor performance. And quite frankly, a player that I'm thinking of is Desmond Ritter. I think Desmond Ritter could absolutely go out and and not and and play poorly and you know go from a day two prospect to an end of day three sixth seventh round prospect. So who you got? Yeah, I Ritter was one of mine. I think I mean I don't know how much it's going to hurt him necessarily, but I do think that Matt Corral could have a really poor game against Baylor this week. Um, Baylor has a good defense and Corral is hurt. And he's insisting on playing in the bowl game. He's still not healthy. If he comes out and posts like a hundred plus yards and or like maybe like two hundred yards and like a touchdown, maybe two interceptions, 
I think that's I think it's within his range of outcomes, considering how good Baylor's defense has been. I'm a little worried about Matt Corral. Um, I don't know. I, I don't, I, I'm not a big, like Matt Corral family. I think he's good. I don't think he's like amazing. And, and so I think this is a defense that he could struggle against too. It, they, they kind of line up well against him. So if he can't run the ball, like he's been able to do, I think it's going to be a bigger problem as well. And I'm not sure they're good. They've been good at containing dual threat quarterbacks all year. So I guess we'll see. Yeah, they, they have been good. And that is not a name that I was thinking of just off the, off the top of my head. So it hurts to hear you say that Austin, I mean, who who do you got who could potentially lay an egg this week and, in you know, and, and hurt themselves. So it's a little bit of a lesser scale. You know, it's not a, a big name like a Desmond Ritter or Matt Corral. But Hassan Haskins is a guy that I think could really be hurt uh, in a game. He's got all this m- momentum. It feels so weird to say that. Um, he kind of has this momentum as, as a guy that could potentially, you know, sneak into like round four, round five. You know, he's got the size. Athletically, he's fine. Like, I, I don't think he's a, anyone considers him special or anything, but I think. A lot of people are starting to view him as a guy that could, you know, make a long career in the NFL. He could be a, a Gus Edwards or, you know, just a guy like that, that, that is always in the mix in a backfield. I'm going to call it now. He averages less than three yards a carry against this Georgia, this Georgia defense. That is just a brutal uh, against running games. I, I think that that Michigan has not played. And this has been my whole argument is why Michigan is going to get destroyed in this game. They have not played a team that is as big and as fast and as mean as this Georgia team. There's only one team in college football that can prep for that type of talent on defense. And it's Alabama because their defense also has those guys and they play against them in practice every day. So that's why we saw Alabama go out there and look so decent against that Georgia defense. I think it's going to be a huge wake up call for Michigan. I think they're going to struggle to move the ball mightily uh, because they cannot put that ball in Cade McNamara's hands and say, go win. Like that, that is a losing strategy. They're going to have to run the ball. And he has to just going to run into a wall all day. And I think after after this game, we're going to say, wow, like what were, what were people thinking launching this guy into the third, fourth round? He's like a seventh round guy. We're going to have to talk about the outcome of this game. Because I don't know that I agree with you, uh, with Mr. Nace. Seth Brown. I mean, he could probably be like a fifth or sixth rounder, but all right. Um, I I agree with It's not that much different. I don't know. (laughs) Well, I guess possibly true. Uh, I I was going to go the route that you did, Felix. I mean, I'm probably one of Ritter's biggest fans, but I think this is going to be a big test for him and probably one of the games that he's graded on um the most by any scouts and everything watching i i would say the whole cincinnati the the trio of cincinnati players that are going into the nfl not just ritter but what ford does in this game and what um what uh pierce does as well with, with the way some people are looking at him now that he's he said he's coming out you know he's going to be the main guy no felix you're, you're kind of against contested catch guys and that's really where he thrives will he be able to do anything against an alabama secondary that has been got Earlier this year, you know, Ritter, if he really struggles, I, I think that's going to hurt him. And the same thing with Ford. I mean, he, he left the SEC to to go to, to Cincinnati to get playing time. And if he's not able to do much in this game, I think all three of them could, could really hurt or help their draft stock, obviously, based on that game. But if they play poorly and they get blown out, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to look bad for all three of them, I think. Yeah, Alec Pierce, who uh, had a career day against Matt Bruning, down there in Canton when we played NCAA 14. All right, let's uh let's move on here to thinking about the the bowls overall. 
Um, and I was just looking at some some games that could have some implications in C2C and in Debbie. And in looking at the the Valero, the Alamo Bowl, Oregon versus Oklahoma, which is going to be played tonight, Austin, let me throw this to you first. Do we still consider OU to be an offensive juggernaut without Lincoln Riley at the helm? Yeah, I think the jury's still out on that, and I don't think that any of the new staff is, is coaching tonight, so we won't necessarily be able to glean any of that information. I think that this is just a total wait and see. It does sound like they are uh, keeping a lot of the offense together. Um, it it kind of looked like they were going to lose everybody, and now it seems like Marvin Mims, who was rumored to be in the portal, is staying. Um, uh, Hasselwood left, but Weiss is still there. Mario Williams is still there. They still have a couple of recruits coming in this year. Matt's guy, Gavin Sawchuck, amongst them. Um, so I, I, it's too early to say, uh, definitively one way or the other. I'm actually just more interested in how they recruit because I, I mean, it's not like Oklahoma was taking these three-star kids and, and turning them into stars. I mean, they Hasselwood and Weiss were what both top three wide receivers in their class when they came out. Caleb Williams was the QB one. So I'm just interested to see if they can keep up that momentum more than, you know, it, or are they a juggernaut because of play calling or scheme or whatever? Yeah, I think there's a chance that Jeff Levy, who is coming from Ole Miss to Oklahoma, will be a better fit, to be honest with you, a better fit for Caleb Williams than Lincoln Riley was, at least late in the season. I'm doing some research on that now. Um, Bob Stoops is going to be coaching tonight's game. Kale Gundy, the wide receivers coach, will be calling plays. This is his first time uh, calling plays in a game. Um, let's move over here to the Oregon side, which we talked about a little. Uh, uh, we talked about a little bit earlier. Fan sided. I know it's fan sided, but they it had an article posted about why Bo Nix could be good for Ty Thompson, Matt Bruning, and in the the and that's by Connor Maldoni. Um, essentially what he said was is that Bo Nix transfer to, to Oregon is good for Ty Thompson because it will push. Ty Thompson in fall camp. I mean, what do you think the chances are that Ty Thompson opens the season as the starter when they've got uh, Kenny Dillingham is the offensive coordinator at Oregon or is going to be the offensive coordinator at Oregon. And it seems like the entire reason he was hired is because of his relationship with, with his pre-existing relationship with Bo Nix. Yeah, I, I would think it's pretty slim. I, I don't think Bo Nix is just going there for the view. Like, I, I think that he clearly probably talked with Dillingham uh, and, and likely either believes he's going to be the starter or has a very good shot of winning it. Uh, my, my thing with Ty Thompson, they never really threw him out there. And I don't know if that's a Mario Cristobal thing, the coaching staff, for whatever reason, maybe they didn't trust him or, or something that I feel. I know Austin and I have talked about it before. I just wonder if COVID really messed up these guys a lot more than we think they did. I think a lot of these guys who maybe didn't get to play their senior seasons and uh, and other things that were affected by COVID coming in just were not as ready as we typically see some freshmen are. We did not see a lot of those guys get on the field, and even when some of them did, they did not necessarily play well. So maybe he just wasn't ready. He does have a new coaching staff, so I think that it – Probably is going to be an open competition going into spring and, and fall camp and everything, but I would think because of the the uh, the relationship that that Nixon Dillingham have, and, and I mean, granted, Bo Nix has never been like great, but 
he had some of his better stats as freshman season, as a true freshman with Dillingham. Like he, he, I think has probably is going to be the favorite. I would bet it like 60, 40 that he probably ends up being the starter for it. I, I would, I'd put the chances at greater than 60, 40. I think it's like 80, 20. Um, I put this story in here just to talk about it, just to talk about Oregon. I don't think that they go and get Bo Nix unless he's going to be the starter. Now, what does that mean for 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 Ty Thompson? Let's remember, Ty Thompson is the best quarterback that the school has ever signed, as, as far as recruiting ranking goes. goes. He's the best quarterback that the school has ever signed, and so now he's going to go into his quote-unquote redshirt freshman season. Now, I think Bo Nix just has one season left, so maybe it's not bad for him. Chris Moxley, Austin, you can jump in here. It's not bad for him, but we wanted to see Ty Thompson this entire season, and it now now it looks like we're going to have to wait at least the entire 2022 season before we get to see what he looks like there in, in Oregon. This article that was written is the uh, text that I would send somebody if I was trying to trade them Ty Thompson in a league, hey, like he's got competition. Maybe that will just make him better. Like, there, how can this possibly be good for Ty Thompson? Like, Bonix is a season quarterback that we've seen win in the SEC. I guarantee you he can win a couple games in the Pac 12. Like, he's a uh, he's an improvement over anything they've had in the last handful of years. Like, he's much better than Anthony Brown. Like, there's no story that you can reasonably tell me that tells me that this is good for Ty Thompson. And I hate that Ty Thompson is now sitting for two years because I think that's what's going to end up happening. So yeah, this is, this is like propaganda basically. Like I, I don't know what else, how else to phrase it. Austin, Troy Franklin is somebody that is, you know, relatively high in either Debbie or C2C rankings, but he didn't do very much this year. You've got them bringing in Dan Lanning, who's the Georgia defensive coordinator, is going to be the head coach at Oregon um, whenever he's he's done with in the playoff. I just it feels like Oregon is is a bit of a mud pit or not a landing spot that you would want for a potential recruit, including Troy, including Troy Franklin. I mean, I feel like if you have um some Oregon skill position players, this may be a selling point before the 2022 season begins. I think we need to pause the panic a little bit on all of this stuff. Um, I think there are two quarterback transfers that come to mind last year that we said that guy is going to go in there with a new coach and take the job they pretty much guaranteed it one of them was joe milton who did take the job and then lost it by week three the other i can think of is patrick o'brien who went from colorado state to washington i thought by, by him going there he they were basically said like we don't like dylan morris patrick o'brien you're going to have a chance to take this job and he basically never touched the field this year they don't have they don't have the track record that bo nix does like like it, it, we can make fun of like Bo's next Heisman season all we want, but like he was way more accomplished than both those players. Sure. Like, but he's I mean, doing it and he has a relationship with that staff already. Like if I don't Ty Thompson, know. I would be really if Ty Thompson is in that job, if Ty Thompson is better, Ty Thompson will play. If Ty Thompson is not yeah. better then Ty Thompson is probably not what we thought he was. I think probably, that's, it might be a mixture of both. So like, I, be, I, but, 
do, but do we know that for sure? Because again, we've talked about it. The, the famous one, obviously, being Kirby Smart. But we've seen coaches before just make the wrong decision purely based on relationship and the fact that he is a veteran. Do we know that because Ty Thompson goes out there and plays better, like maybe we see it? We won't get to see it, right? We won't. We don't get to watch practices or anything. But say they go out there in the spring game and Ty Thompson is clearly better, and then here we come kickoff for Oregon, whoever they play this year, and it's Bo Nix as the starter. And the the, the thing's going to be, well, he gives us the best chance to win right now. Now, maybe he goes out there and throws a couple interceptions, plays bad, Ty Thompson gets in, it'll be the end of story, much like Caleb Williams, Spencer Rattler this year. We don't know that even if Ty Thompson is better in practice, everything, that he will get the starting job. That's my only cause for concern. If it was anybody else that had no relationship whatsoever with Dillingham, any of that, I wouldn't really care. It's the relationship factor that worries me more, because I do think Ty Thompson probably is going to be better than Bo Nix, but the relationship thing is what causes the concern for me. Well, we're talking about actionable information, and, and you know, come uh, next year, people are going to be in startups, and they need to know that you know Ty Thompson is is high in our relatively high in our rankings, relatively high in NEC two C rankings. There is a good likelihood that he does not start next year, that he does not get any playing time next year due to. Uh, uh, Dillingham's relationship with Bo Nix. So that's actionable information to take away. Let's move on here to uh, the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. And again, just looking for bowls where we could ask some questions to to prompt some discussion. Uh, the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl between Wisconsin and, and Arizona State. Austin, you have expressed some skepticism regarding Braylon Allen, the freshman you know, athlete, safety turned running back who had a very good freshman season. Uh, good, good freshman season who has been taken really as high as the first round in some C2C drafts. What would he have to do in 2022 or even in this game for you to believe that the hype is warranted, that that position for him is warranted? Yeah, I I remember a couple of weeks ago we posted some sort of a question, I think from either myself or, or the C2C account saying like, you know, if you're not taking – Bijan 101 overall who are you taking or someone and someone said Braylon Allen I was just like what are you no like what are you talking about um Braylon Allen for me still has a lot of questions and I think you and I Felix have both kind of articulated very similar thoughts on this that he's just kind of this big dude that doesn't really know what he's doing as a player so the you know the glass half full is wow like this guy's dominating he doesn't even know what he's doing the glass half empty is well this is just a big athlete and once teams figure it out he's in trouble I think if you look at the game logs, once he kind of took over this backfield, I believe he was a little bit uh, dinged up early in the season and, and, you know, being 17 years old, kind of adjusting to college. The the teams that he played that he beat up on, Illinois, Army, Purdue, Iowa, Rutgers, Northwestern, Nebraska. None of those are good rushing defenses, really, at all. The first good rush defense he played was Minnesota, and he got shut down, like, mightily. Uh, that whole rushing attack did. So I think like the, the brakes seriously need to be pumped. I don't think we can learn anything in this game that we didn't already know about him. And I don't think we'll really have the full report on Braylon Allen until like year three. Like I just really like, it, it's going to take some time before we know with this kid. I a hundred percent agree with Austin. I, I, I not touching Braylon Allen. And if I can trade him right now, I'm doing it. Because I think by this time next year, we're going to be talking about him the way we're talking about DJU right now. I, I do not think Braylon Allen is at all what we want to make him out to be. 100%. 100%.
All right, let's play devil's advocate here. What I see in Braylon Allen is a little bit of Chris Carson, where this is a big physical athlete who can run people over without even lowering his shoulder, without even, you know, giving any, trying to convert speed into power, any of that. If he learns to do that, this guy was recruited as an athlete and he designated early. He's 17 years old. If he can learn how to play with that 225, 230 pound frame, he's going to be a day one or day two draft pick. He's coming from Wisconsin. Why is that not the approach to take? That this is someone to invest in. If he's still on the waiver wire and you can use a first round draft pick on Braylon Allen, who has some production behind him, why wouldn't I take a Braylon Allen? Matthew Bruning over a Branson Robinson or a Evan Stewart. Why wouldn't I take Braylon Allen who already has the production behind him? Where do you put him amongst the freshman running backs, Felix? Like there's obviously Travion's number one. I think that's like just not even. No, I mean the, in fre- no, no. I mean the freshman coming in. I mean yeah, the but freshman I, was, coming I don't in. like, if I don't he's know still on the waiver wire. One, where would you take him in a startup? Would you take him above Will Shipley? No. Fuck no. See, that's or heck no. Sorry. I, I think oh, you can cuss. That's right. It's I think it's I think it's because of what Austin has articulated already. It's how high like he's consistent. I haven't seen the ADP, but last couple of drafts I saw he was going like the second round. Is that roughly where he's going, Austin? Yeah, I, I have it here. I give you me a second. I'm not taking up. him in the second round. I mean, you just mentioned running backs who have dominated right and done this and that like i'll i'll just use two one that went to wisconsin and another guy who played for the browns like okay that was great they dominated because of great offensive lines and great volume in college how well that worked out for monty ball and, Tr- and trent richardson in the nfl like you still have to be a good running back being a good uh, obviously trent richardson wasn't drafted his, or recruited as an athlete i don't think monty ball was either but my point is just because he's still figuring it out you're right i guess i'll give you that he could figure it out he could become a very good running back but i just i don't know i i I don't i i'll agree with what austin said three you gotta give it three years with him because you cannot base it on what you saw again if you just go small sample size understand whether they played like six games right it started in the six games but the one team he played an actual decent defense on as austin mentioned he got shut down Everybody, we could, all the four of us could probably average 1.3 yards a carry on all the defenses that Braylon Allen tore up. And not one of us, except for maybe Felix, Austin's getting close to being back in his prime. Me and Moxley are not trying. And if we could still, if we could still do that, I think you've got it. You've got to look at that. And so if he was going fifth or sixth round, I think I'd be fine with it. Second round, just no. That's like taking DJU in the second round, in my opinion. That's why I compared him to that. Like, there's so many other more proven players at this point in the second round I'd rather take over Braylon Allen. In fairness to him, I just want to share the say, ADP real quick. Yeah, go for go it. Go ahead, Chris. Okay. So he's no, being for. taken as the RB7 right now. Uh, the, the guys going ahead of him, Bijan, Travion, Jameer Gibbs, Tank Bigsby, Zach Evans, Will Shipley. If you look at the names that come right after him, I think there's only three that I would – probably take over him Jadon blue who is i'm just obligated to take Jadon blue i think i would take nicholas singleton over him yeah even though i have yeah. some similar concerns about nicholas nicholas singleton in the sense that we really have no idea how he actually is as a running back they just tossed him everything and then i actually think i prefer donovan edwards as a player i think this time next year donovan edwards will be valued higher than braylon allen and i think he has a more well-rounded skill set 
But those are the only like I, I would I would I would take him over Sean Tucker. I would take him over Branson Robinson, Jace McClellan, Blake Corum. Like that, that's the next bunch of guys that are below him. And I still would prefer him to them. I don't want to spend on average the 13.2 pick on him. But like I don't think that's like the range that he's going in is getting close to correct. It's just like too early in the draft that that particular range. I just think Chris I'd rather Moss, yeah. take a wide receiver. Well, Chris, yeah. I want you to have the last the last uh comment on this discussion. You're an analytics guy. If we went and looked up Jarek's tools and we put in, you know, whatever running back metrics metrics we wanted to for Braylon Allen, he's going to be above the magic line. Why is that not a reason to invest in Braylon Allen? Who, by the way, could be a junior in high school. Who could be a junior in high school? If I hear that he's 17 again as like as like a big talking point, I think I might just like claw my eyes out or like rip my ears out. I'm not sure which one because I see it on Twitter and I then I hear it on podcast. So all, probably all of my senses. It's like saying Brian, Brian Edwards was a year 17 breakout. Who gives a shit? It's just the year he entered college, dude. He's already he's already more built than like half the NFL already. Like he's just an athlete. Like he's a freak. That's what he is. He's a fantastic athlete. I will say this. I I, I posted it in our Discord. Um, got to be a member of campuscanton.com. We got a ton of stuff in there. We just hit on our uh, Altline Parlay, by the way, that was only posted in there. Just saying. Mm-hmm. Plus 4, 429 with Clemson covering six and a half. You're welcome. But there's no way that he and Will Shipley are in the same class of player. Will Shipley is substantially better in pretty much every facet of the game right now. He needs to improve in a lot of areas, Braylon Allen does, to be considered like a running back and not an athlete. And it's like we have to actually see that happen for me to feel more confident to like selecting him. There are a lot of other places I'd rather pivot over Braylon Allen. So really quick, Felix, before you move on, I, I just, the three top guys that popped to my name really quick is as freshman running backs, Travion Henderson, Will Shipley, and then Donovan Edwards. We were just talking about those three. Will Shipley's dominator rating. I pulled up Jarek's tool. So Braylon Allen is over the magic line, but barely, barely over Will Shipley and Travion Henderson blows them both out of the water. So, the analytics part, I think, still also kind of doesn't really hold up. I mean, you would think with the way people talk about him on Twitter and Reddit, apparently, according to Mr. Kevin Coleman there in the comments, uh, he would be one of the best running backs we've seen analytically here in a while, and he barely crosses that threshold. Part of that is not playing a full year or like like being the right. starter for the full year. So but neither a did Shipley. Shipley was hurt. Yeah, and, and, and Shipley came in right below sure. him, so. Allen should have been playing the whole year, so he would have been a lot more impressive. But running back analytics don't matter as much as they do for other positions. So, like, I want to say it matters, but I really want to see improvement from him as like as a player. Uh, I, I feel like Braylon Allen. The comp for him is DK Metcalf, almost like a freak athlete who might not necessarily be have the nuances of the position. Austin, I want to th- throw this question to you um, regarding we're talking about the Peach Bowl. Um, and so with Arizona State is the other team on the other side of the Peach Bowl. They're losing. <laughs> Diamante Tranium said, F this, I'm going to go play linebacker at Ohio State. They're losing Rashad White to the uh, uh, to the NFL draft. Daniel Nada, I mean, that's a team that runs the ball a lot. It's going to be Daniel Nada who gets the majority of the carries as a red shirt, what, freshman or sophomore next year with a dual threat quarterback. I mean, he could be potentially be 
you know, a, a league winner of sorts in C2C uh, next year? Maybe. I, I don't. God, I, I think at this point it's too late for them to get anybody in the portal, really. I can't think of anybody that, that I would think of to go there. The problem with, with Ngata is, like, he's just – he is a little bigger than I thought he was. They have him listed at 5'9", 200, but that's still not that big for a running back. Like, I still think he's, at best, a complimentary guy. I don't know who they're going to compliment him with. Is it Tevin White, that the true freshman they're bringing in this year? He's already bigger than that, but, I, like, I don't know if they have another option. I know you don't like Tevin White. Yeah, so I but I I don't think Ingata is is like just going to be the guy there. Whatever they end up doing, okay, <laughs> just a little bit of actionable information there. If you've got Daniel Ningata because he was the back to take ahead of Tranium and Rashad White uh, his freshman season, hold on to him because it looks like you know he could get he could potentially get carries next year. I don't have any questions for the next subject here, and that's the Cotton Bowl. Alabama, Cincinnati. So what I'm going to do here is be like the Joker and just throw the topic out there and let you all fight for it. For it. Uh, uh, Cincinnati, Alabama, go somebody. We're going to find out how good Jamison Williams is this game because he's going to be matched up against Sauce Gardner. And Kobe Bryant on the other side of the field can shut down whoever the secondary wide receiver is. He's wearing number eight to honor Kobe yep. K O B E Bryant um, in this game, which is which is funny. I don't know, but I think we're gonna find out how good Sam, Jameson Williams is if if he can beat up Sauce Gardner, who's a first round corner. So I think that's the storyline that I'm paying attention to. Besides that, Alabama's just gonna whack Cincinnati. It's not gonna be close. Yeah, I think uh, uh, can one of those freshmen. I think Austin mentioned it earlier. Can one of those freshman wide receivers step up against Kobe Bryant as well? If Sauce Gardner is able to play well against Jamison Williams, even if it is for only a couple halves, Bryce Young's going to have to lean on somebody else. Uh, so I, I'm very curious to see if one of those guys uh, step up. I don't think that they're going to get waxed. Alabama's going to win the game, but I, I do think at least for the first half, it's going to be a close game. Um, you know, I, I mentioned it earlier, somewhat joke is I'd love just to get the like Cincinnati thing going on Twitter if they were to actually be able to beat Alabama. But uh, I'm very curious, as I mentioned earlier, what happens with Desmond Ritter. If he plays well in this game, what could it mean for him? Like I, I, I like I said, I, I feel like I've been his biggest defender, not just on this show, but on Twitter in general. I think people take that a little bit too far sometimes. I've never said he's a first-round pick. Uh, but I think if he plays well in this game, he can solidify being an early second-round pick, and that is going to matter for him and his his value. Uh, but I, I think uh, it's a big game for him, and how well he plays could be big for Cincinnati because we've seen in the past Alabama has struggled with those mobile quarterbacks. If they start allowing Desmond Ritter to run a little bit in this game, we've seen him take over some of those games earlier in the season uh, when he was able to start running. You know, I don't, he doesn't unfortunately have a wide receiver, I think, that can really challenge that Bama secondary. So I think it is going to come down a lot on him and Jerome Ford, which is why they likely will not be able to beat Alabama. But I do think it will be a good and close game. If Sauce Gardner is matched up against Jamison Williams one-on-one, -on -one, that's an absolutely, first of all, that's a, mis a mistake schematically, in my opinion. Like, I think you should put your second-best corner on him and then shade the coverage to him. And for his draft capital, I don't like that. Because as as good as he could be, I think the, the problem is, is how quickly can you get to Bryce Young? If you can't get to Bryce Young in two and a half, three seconds, and Jamison Williams can just run wherever he wants to, he's going to be able to get deep 
And we know without John Mechie, I think that he's going to be targeted at least 12, 15 times. I, I would love to have a bet of what the line is on targets. If you can get targets on Jamison Williams, I would take the over. If it's like seven and a half, I would take the over on, on targets for Jamison Williams. Um, and if it's if it's like at four for 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 Jacory Brooks, I would take the over on that. But I think I think schematically, if I'm coaching Cincinnati, I would put my second best corner, Kobe Bryant, if that's him, on Jamison Williams, and I would shade the safety to that side, and I would put Sauce Gardner. Just think about it. Sauce Gardner is a six foot two lanky cornerback. He matches up better with the contested catch guy who is Jacory Brooks. That's what I would do. That's what I would do. I don't know what the heck Cincinnati is going to do. I don't think I don't. I really don't think this one is going to be close. It doesn't have anything to do with the secondary. It has everything to do, Matt Bruning, with how quickly that defensive line could get to Bryce Young and Bryce Young being able to buy time and, and allow those wide receivers to get open. No, I I agree with you one hundred percent. That that defensive line, you know. That's the reason why I think this can be close. I think maybe we're valuing too much what Alabama did against Georgia. Because if we go back and look at earlier this year, Alabama struggled with some teams that I think Cincinnati is comparable to. And I don't know that Alabama figured everything out like they did in that Georgia game. I think some of that just comes – it was just a game where they got up, and, and no offense, because I know Moxley loves Stetson Bennett. Stetson Bennett's not bringing you back in those games. And once Alabama can get you pinned against the wall, they can come after you. And I think that's what they did. They were able to stop that Georgia rushing offense, and and Bennett was not able to he, – he's not that gunslinger that's going to bring them back. So I, I, that is my – I agree with you on that part. I don't know that Kobe Bryant's not better than Sauce Gardner. So that's why I don't know that they won't shade if they put Sauce Gardner on Jameson Williams and possibly shade. And then you have Kobe Bryant, who many considers actually better than Sauce Gardner, on whoever the second wide receiver is for Alabama is not actually the better plan. So I, I don't know. I, this, I'm more excited about that game than I am the Georgia-Michigan game. Uh, just because I, I do think it's going to be a better game than everybody gives it credit for. Like, I, I don't think Bama's going to blitz them the way they did Michigan State. And, and even Washington was even a close game for the most part. I mean, they were never never really thought Washington was going to win it, but Alabama didn't, like, come and just completely blow them out. I, I think it's going to be a close game. The problem for Cincinnati is that Alabama's going to average over five yards a carry as a team this game. That's going to be the big issue. Probably, they don't yeah. have to pass. To beat them this isn't like 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 they they can just you know roll out you know jumbo formation one or two wide receivers on the field at any given time and just slam the ball down their throats the entire game i actually think that's what's going to happen i actually don't know that how much alabama beats them by because i think that's going to be the game plan just run 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 right but I think if they do that, that also helps possibly keep the game close if Cincinnati is they're not going to score with Bama right but if they're able to Blitz them early, get a couple scores, and then Bama continues to run it. Like that's, I think it's going to stay a close game. I don't think this is going to be a blowout. Like that, that's just my only thing. I'm not. I'd love I'd to be, see Cincinnati I'd be win willing if I to had bet to put money on it. I don't I'd be willing to bet the other game is a bigger blowout. Agreed. I just don't like think Michigan's, Michigan's a very good football team. Well, I disagree with you on that part, but I think there's a better shot that yeah, Michigan blows out Georgia than Alabama blows out Cincinnati. Georgia would do the well, same exact well, thing to Ohio State. Like they would just ram the ball down there. Like it's going to be the same exact game. And that Michigan's lucky that Ohio State could stop me running the football. Before we pick the games, and Austin, I'm going to let you pick first. We need to give a shout out to 
and visit uh, Vrockham.red, uh, who's visiting us in the chat. And of course, to only if you want a virus on your computer, though. Only if you want if you want a virus on a, uh, to your computer. Also, <laughs> re reach out to Brand Charity. The bots are reaching out to us uh, today on the Debbie debate. All right, Austin. Hey, if, you, I want if, you to are, if bots are listening. You can like the podcast and give it five yes. star review. Please. I don't care what Please. you. I don't care what you put. All the Russian in, bots. in your description. I, I already forgot his name. What's uh? What's the president of Russia's name? I was going to reach Putin. out to him. Putin. Vladimir, Vladimir, Vladimir Putin. Putin. Putin, if you are listening to this, please give it five stars. Right. We are. We are number one dynasty show in Russia. Believe it or really? not. <laughs> no, I made that up. <laughs> okay, Austin, why don't you pick the uh, the the Cotton Bowl, Cincinnati at Alabama? Give us a score, Austin, and I'll you you think Alabama's going to win, but um, give us a score. I'm going to say Alabama thirty-four to twenty. Matt Bruning, I'm going to do it. Fuck it, Cincinnati twenty-eight twenty-four. Why not? What what am I what do I have to lose? If I'm right, I get the victory lap of victory laps, and if I'm wrong, everybody just looks at me, it's another one of Matt's stupid takes. Like, whatever. Who cares at this point? <laughs> go go ahead. Chris I wanted Austin's I wanted Austin's score, but I'm oh, gonna really? pivot. <laughs> yeah, I, that's exactly what I had in my head. And I that's why I threw my hands up on everyone watching video. I was like, what the um I'm gonna go 38-24. I'm going to go 48 to 20, Alabama. <laughs> All right. I'm going to do the same thing with this Orange Bowl. As a matter of fact, I'm going to start here with the Orange Bowl, Georgia versus Michigan. Austin, I disagree with you because I think this is a style of – this is a, a, a bash between two teams who want to play the same way. So Michigan uh, wants to run the ball. I think Georgia is going to want – want to run the ball also. And because of that play style, it really can't be a blowout. I don't think that Georgia is going to be able to run the ball down Michigan's throats. I don't think that Michigan is going to be able to run the ball down Georgia's throats. I don't think that Georgia is going, excuse me, Stetson Bennett is going to be able to throw the ball on Michigan's defense. And so I think you're going to get a game that it's going to come down this is a game. This is game is going to be close. It's going to come down to the fourth quarter. You may get a field goal that wins it. You may get like a block punt or some or a defensive touchdown that wins this game. This game is going to be close because they're two teams that want to play the same way. They they want the they want they're going to want to play the game fast, meaning you know keep the other team's offense off the field, take a lot of time on on offense, run the ball. At least I think that that's what they're going to want to do, and so. I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna pick the pick the game yet. But I do think. I think it's going to be closer than what your what you're saying or what it sounds like you're saying. Why do you think it's going to be a blowout? I think that Michigan scores like they can't get past ten points in this game. They will not be able to move the ball. I bet they have under two hundred fifty yards total offense. Ten points might 10 win the game. Points. No, it's going to be like thirty-one to ten. Michigan is not like they're just not a. Like I, there there will be a big special teams touchdown in this game on Georgia's behalf. I guarantee it. There will be at least one defensive touchdown on Georgia's behalf. I almost guarantee it. That's fourteen points right there. That I, that's the game, and I think they can sustain another offense, long offensive drive or two. I think it's going to be like twenty-eight to ten, twenty-eight seven. 
something in that range. Michigan just is not going to be able to move the ball at all. Matt Bruning, do, do you agree that Michigan is going to get blown out here and by transitive property that Ohio State sucks? No, Ohio <laughs> State does question. suck. Uh, no, I, 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 I said it earlier, and maybe that like slipped past past you. I, if I had to bet money on a team getting a win in a blowout, I would bet Michigan blows out Georgia. I just think Georgia's a tad bit overrated. I really do. I. I don't think it's going to be high scoring, uh, but I don't think Michigan's defense is as bad as Dawson's giving it credit for because the big bad boys in the SEC are going up to play against the little babies up in the Big Ten. Like, I get it. Michigan's offensive line is not Bama's. Well, Georgia did a hell of a job against Bama's offensive line, stopping them. My goodness. They they really beat up Bama to win that game. Oh, wait, that's right. They didn't beat Bama, and they didn't do a good job against that offensive line. Like, Michigan has players. And the one thing I agree with Austin on is – I don't. I do think Georgia is going to be able to run the ball, but if Michigan focuses in on that, like they did on Ohio State in their passing, and they're able to figure out a way to slow them down, because I don't think any of those guys are game changing either. Samir White's not going to change the game. Kendall Milton's not going to change the game. James Cook might. I, I think Austin, you mentioned a couple podcasts ago that Cook could get like 15 receptions for 180 yards. You're probably just right on that. Absurd game. Yeah. But I wouldn't be ups- I wouldn't be surprised if Donovan Edwards can do the same thing for Michigan. If AJ Henning can't do some things to beat that secondary that is beatable, and AJ Henning has speed and can do things on that Michigan offense, like Cade McNamara is probably on equal footing with Stetson Bennett as a quarterback. And if Stetson Slander. Bennett can do that, I'm sorry, Moxley. I I'm I. Look, I'm not a big fan of Cade McNamara either, and Stetson Bennett, I know, has got, like, whatever, top five, whatever. Moxley will give me the stats later here in a minute. When it comes to the actual passing part of this game, I think Cade McNamara can match Stetson Bennett throw for throw. I trust Michigan's offensive players more than I do anybody else on Georgia outside of Brock Bowers. I do think Michigan can hang in this game, and I I, I don't think that it's going to be a blowout either way. I don't think it'll be high scoring, but I do think Michigan has a chance to win. Kid McNamara is probably a bottom five P5 quarterback. Yes. Bottom 10. Oh, bottom five seems a little. That's 130 oh, yes. schools. He's I can, terrible. I can find what is Stetson Bennett, though? Well, I mean, St- Stetson Bennett is right there with him. So there's Chris no Diaz data that supports there. that. There's no data that supports that Stetson Bennett is nearly as bad as, as Kid McNamara is. Um, my, projection, my prediction is 24 13. Um, I'm pretty much in the same boat as Austin. I think that there's a good chance that we see, um, you know, very just Georgia heavy on special teams, Georgia heavy on defense. The way that Alabama beat Georgia was not through the rushing game. Their running backs only averaged 3.54 yards per carry. So I'm not sure that, and the reason that their rushing game was more successful, they only ran for like 115 yards. Bryce Young had 40 of those yards. So like Caden McNamara, is not Bryce Young. The ball is in Kate McNamara's hands for this game. And if Ronnie Bell was playing, who he went out with an ACL tear uh, probably seven or eight weeks ago, if he was playing, it might be a little bit different, but it's not going to be close. They just don't have the weapons. Um, I like their tight end, Schoonmaker, uh, but, you know, I, the, the, it's just not going to be close. They just don't have the f- offensive firepower to keep up with a, this good Georgia defense. If J.J. McCarthy Mon- was a year older... I would say Michigan might have a chance because he can do some things off script. If he was a year more mature, I still don't love him as a quarterback, but I think that's the kind of quarterback you need to beat Georgia. McNamara is not that guy. 
I think he could start the second half, JJ McCarthy, because he's come in and looked really good this year. When he when he's come in, he's like he gives them an explosive play here and there. Like I think if they're struggling first half, you could see McCarthy start the second half. That would not the, surprise me. The counterpoint to that is if you do that, you risk doing what Georgia's defense did to DJU. So there there is break his break his brain in line there as to Chris whether Chris Moxley calling a Tua Tunga Vialoa type replacement of Cade McNamara. Chris, give me your prediction again, but give it to me so that when we can clip this, we can say that Chris was emphatic in in, in his prediction of the game. Go. 24-13. Caden and McNamara can't do anything. The running game is going to struggle. Georgia dominates on their way to the national championship. All right, Austin, I'm coming to you. I'm going to show you how to do it, Chris Moss. This is how you do it. I've got Michigan 24 to 17 over Georgia. That's what it's going to be. All right, go ahead, Austin. I have, what did I say? Georgia 28 to 10? Something like that. I think that's Something what like I said. That. Yeah, yeah. Like I just under three touchdowns. And like I said, they're not going to be offensive touchdowns. There's going to be a defensive touchdown in there, and there's going to be a special teams touchdown. And you don't need a lot more on top of that. Oh, this hurts my heart. Michigan 21, Georgia 20. J.J. McCarthy with a huge run in the fourth quarter to set up Michigan for the go-ahead field goal as they beat Georgia and go to likely get stomped by Alabama in the national team. Can I Can I ask a question? Just Yeah, it's your show. Too. Go ahead. Okay. Um, if Michigan didn't beat Ohio State, would you be projecting a Georgia win? Against Ohio State? Yeah, if Michigan did not beat Ohio State, if you were projecting this game, would you still project Michigan to win? I think I, would, I think the better question is, is if Alabama Georgia didn't ex- expose State, Georgia's flaws, would we pre- would we be predicting a Michigan win? I think that Alabama kind of exposed Georgia. Let's move on here. Um, all right, we're already at an hour here. I I, I want to bring in my favorite segment are, are we ready uh it's one of my favorite segments it's a segment that we get uh, that gets uh, a, a lot of notoriety around here people ask about it people uh t- talk to our group about it and uh obviously the segment stems from the fact that when we started this podcast it was me and matt bruning who did a lot of the talking chris moxley was no you know was nowhere to be found we didn't bring in chris moxley and austin nace was the third here and he i mean there was one podcast that we were 17 minutes in and he hadn't said a word yet and then when he did say a word he would come in with some very you know lukewarm should we say lukewarm takes and so we're putting a stamp on it we're putting a stamp on it austin give us your lukewarm take of the week all right here we go guys it's been a while i'm glad to be back doing this so we've had a lot of bull cancellations here guys you know uh bulls looking for some free agents a couple of the games have been able to to fill in those holes some have not one of the games that has is the tax slayer bull down in jacksonville florida uh wake forest originally supposed to play texas a&m i think a&m would have given wake forest a very difficult game with that just wonky running rushing offense that that wake forest has they replaced texas a&m with Rutgers. no offense to chris moxley's Rutgers, scarlet knights they are not the same team that texas a&m is up front i think this game is not particularly close i think wake forest is going to out, go out there and just 
crush, crush this poor Rutgers team. That that those players did not sign up for this. So I'm sorry, Scarlet Knight fans. I'm sorry, Rutgers fans. Wake Forest, big win this week. Really, really going out on a limb on that one, huh? Austin, <laughs> dig deep there. That was actually a really good one. I can't even say anything. <laughs> That's a good. That's a good call. I, I seeing seeing the like defeated Moxley's face is like the worst. Like Austin's going on this whole other way, and then he goes like, and then you get Rutgers and Moxley's like, why? <laughs> why do you have to go this route? He's like Rutgers over Wake Forest. Wake Forest is what like a top fifteen team in the country, and he took and he took he took Wake Forest over Rutgers. Hey, Wake Forest's last performance was not particularly glowing. So just just to throw that out there. If Rutgers is playing in bowl game, they should be forced to dump Gabagool on the winning coach. <laughs> Gabagool. Gabagool. All right. Um, that is why. That's why it's just. That's why. I mean, we have to do that more often because it's a great. It's a great segment. It's a great. Learn segment. a lot. Absolutely. All right. Um, I meant to ask this earlier. I meant to ask this earlier, and then we're going to get out of here. Everybody can answer this. Bryce Young, is he going to end up a better quarterback prospect than Trevor Lawrence? Chris no. Moxley? No. I Lawrence did it so long and at such a high level. Um, Bryce Young's stats against the the Blitz are actually really poor, and so I think that's going to be the strategy to beat him. I actually, actually wrote it down in preparation. So Bryce Young against the Blitz, he went 8 for 20 for 104 yards against Georgia. That's really bad considering um, how well he performed the rest of the game. It's still an area where he's struggling and he's dro- he, he does a lot of dump offs. So I think there's a lot of areas of his game that he has to improve. I thought Lauren, I th- still think Lawrence is going to end up the like generational prospect. I just think young is going to up is a very good quarterback prospect, whether or not they're good. They're like comparable NFL players. Like that doesn't really factor into my analysis of just saying, here's what I expect national media to take it as. If Bryce Young was as good of a prospect as Trevor Lawrence, he would have beat Mac Jones for that job last year. Matt Bruning? I agree with them, but I think when it comes to the NFL, Bryce Young is going to end up being better. But I don't think he's going to be the better prospect coming out of college. Well, I mean, you already have Trevor Lawrence to look at to say he started off poorly. Bryce Young, is he should be a number one pick in the draft, so we'll be able to compare Bryce Young to Trevor Lawrence. All right. That is going to do it for our show. To be sure to check out all of the content around the Campus to Canton family. Of course, the Campus to Canton family of podcasts. Uh, that's our show for tonight. Apologies to Kirk Street. We ran out of time. We'll get him rescheduled soon. For Matt Bruning and Austin Nace and Chris Moxley, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. Intercepted by Eli Apple at the 25. And Apple will go to the ground at the 32, and that's it. Ohio State National Champions for the eighth time as they defeat Oregon 42 to 20. Here's Tua stepping back, loads up, looks long, throws, end zone, touchdown! touchdown Alabama! Devontae Smith! Touchdown, Alabama! And the Crimson Tide has once again ascended to the top of the college football mountain. Their fifth 
national championship in nine years. Their 17th overall. And for Watson takes a snap, rolls right, looks to the end zone. Hunter Info caught it! Touchdown! 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 With a second left, Watson hits Renfro, and Clemson grabs a 34-31 lead and is one second away from the second national championship in school history. Hill, just in front of his end zone, has a man out there. It is Ranger, and he's off to the races. Nobody will catch him. Freshman. Made the adjustments in the second quarter. Dobbins again, more than 10 yards per carry. He'll add to that. Goodbye. Touchdown, Ohio State. From 52 yards.